You are listening to the MZBC Students Greenhouse Podcast. For more information about Mount Zion Baptist Church, go to mzbc.net slash students or follow us on Twitter and Instagram at MZBC Students. When you come to this place, you hear truth. JJ in Britain, as far as I'm concerned, are the two of the greatest young men I've met in a long time that do student ministry. And I know you feel that way too. You don't know how blessed you are. Because there's a lot of people that can gather a lot of people. But when they get them together, they don't hear truth. And you're going to hear truth when you come here. If you come on Sunday, if you come on Wednesday, you're going to hear truth. And we need to hear truth. I love to hear y'all sing. Because it motivates and inspires me to see students praise the Lord like that. And my challenge to you is this. The same thing you feel tonight as you sing praises to the Lord, let that just carry on over when you walk up and down the halls at school. Or when you go to your events with your friends, some who are non-believers. And let that same spirit of praising the Lord just flow everywhere and see if it can't get on someone. Because if you're so full of Jesus that when you rub up next to somebody, you're going to get some of him on them. Because see, you are called as believers, as young people, to be lights in this dark world. And you don't have to look around very much to see that this is a dark world. But with Jesus, we have enough light to make a difference. As I speak to you tonight, here's here's what I want you to think about. I am totally committed to... You need to be able to fill that blank in. And by the way, you can fill it in. But we want to fill it in with the right answer. I had a a seminary professor, systematic theology. It's a big word, but it's a good word. And it was a big, good, thick book. Talked about doctrine in the Bible. And I love the class. Here's what he said. We'd have to read gobs of pages. And then we'd have a true-false test. And I had to go to the class four days a week. So I read and read and read. And then we had ten questions. And here's what he said. He said, look, I know I ask you to read a lot of pages. And I'm going to ask you true-false questions. But I'll tell you what. Every day you come to class and I give you a test, if you can't think of an answer, I'll give you one freebie every day. And here it is. He said, Jesus is always the right answer. So out of those 10 questions of true and false, if you couldn't think of one, you know, if you didn't know the answer to one, all you had to do is write Jesus there and you always got it right because he's always the right answer. He's always the answer to everything. And when you understand that and know that and live that, it was going to become real to you. What are y'all laughing at? Something happened? Okay. 
I used to be a teacher too, so if I'm up teaching and people laugh or smirk, I go, what's going on? Because I was just taught to figure out what's going on if people do that. So anyway, we're going to talk about a guy named Caleb tonight in the heart of Caleb. We're going to talk about what it means to be all in, committed, totally committed. What does it mean to be totally committed? Now our story tonight begins... And we're going to be in Numbers chapter 13 if you have your device or if you have your Bible. If you want to turn there, I'll be reading some passages tonight. But Numbers 13, Moses had just led the children of Israel out of Egypt. They'd gotten out into the desert, they'd crossed the Red Sea, and they'd gotten to the edge of the promised land, and it was time to go in. But they realized one thing, there was someone already there. So they had to come up with a plan, and they got that plan from, from God. And here's what, uh, in chapter 13, verses 1 and 2, here's what the Lord said. The Lord said to Moses, send some men to explore the land of Canaan, which is the promised land, which I am giving to the Israelites from each ancestral tribe, send one of its leaders. Okay, there are, ten, there are 12 tribes, so they pick one man from every tribe to go scout out the promised land. And there were three million of those Israelites. So if you were one of the ones chosen, one of the 12 out of three million, they must have thought a lot about you. They must have thought you were a pretty good dude. So they go in and they spot out the land and they scout it out. And they came back and basically they had some good news and they had some bad news. So they gave uh, Moses this report. We went into the land to which you sent us, and it does flow with milk and honey. And they brought some of its fruit back. They said, here's the fruit. But the people who live there are powerful, and the cities are fortified and very large. We even saw descendants of Anak there. And that was, uh, those guys were giants. And the Amalekites and the Hittites and the Jebusites and all the otherites were living there. And uh, so then Caleb, the guy that was all in, the, the guy that was committed, Caleb is the guy that everybody wanted to be like or the person that you might want to be like. He's the person when everybody says no, he goes yes. When everybody else says we can't do it, he says we can do it. You know people like that? Don't you want to be around them? I do. I want to be around somebody that's that committed and that all in, that no matter what, he has the confidence to say, yes, we can do it. And that's what Caleb did, and that's the kind of man he was. And God wants to raise up more people like that in this world today. So then Caleb silenced the people before Moses, and he said this, we should go up and take possession of the land, for we can certainly do it says it right there. We can certainly do it. And he wasn't kidding either. He didn't back up and he didn't stutter. Now, all and, and then what happened then was the people, not everybody out of the 12 spies, there were two spies that agreed with Caleb and one other guy named Joshua. They're the ones that said, we can do it. There were 10 other guys that said, no, we can't. We can't do it. But Moses was kind of used to that because although God had delivered them from the Egyptians, 
Anytime any little thing happened, they got a little bit hungry, they started whining. They got a little bit cold, they started saying, give me some covers or whatever. They were always griping when things didn't go just right. You know people like that. I bet you really like to be around them. All those people that whine and complain all the time. Yeah, yeah. You know what you do when you hear that? You walk the other way. Hey, and by the way, you don't want to be that guy or that girl that when they see you coming, they go, give the old Heisman, you know, stiff arm. You don't want to be that person. Not at all. You want to be people, you want somebody to want to be around you. But Caleb stood his ground. He said, we can do this when God's help. I'm going to turn over to Genesis chapter 17 real quick. Now see, the reason it was called the promised land is because it was the land that God promised them. That is not easy to misunderstand. So they're sitting on the edge of the land and God has promised them that land and two of the guys says we can take it and ten of them says no we can't. I'm going to go with the two. Genesis 17 verse 8. The whole land of Canaan, that's the land we're talking about right now, where you are and now are an alien, that means it's not yours yet, I will give you as an everlasting possession to you and your descendants after you, and I will be their God. In plain English right there, God says, that land is yours. I've already given it to you. I've already promised it to you. So Caleb says, we can take it. We can do it. Do you think... Do you think the people listened to his speech? Nope. Let me show you what happened in verse in chapter 14. That night all the people of the community raised their voices and wept aloud. All the Israelites grumbled against Moses and Aaron and the whole assembly and said to them, If we only had died in Egypt or in this desert... Why is the Lord bringing us into this land only to let us fall by the sword? Our wives and our children will be taken as plunder. Wouldn't it be better for us to go back to Egypt? And and they said to each other, we should choose a leader and go back to Egypt. So if you didn't understand that, let me put it in plain English. They had been in captivity. They were slaves. Moses delivered them from slavery. They went to out into the desert, going to the promised land, and they didn't really like how long it took to get to the promised land, so they were complaining and bellyaching, and they said, it would be better for us to go back and be slaves than to be free. Now, how silly is that? That is very silly. I'm glad you're listening. Thank you. It is very silly. But you know what? People do that all the time. We're enslaved by all kinds of things. And then we break free or people go to rehab and they get out of rehab and they do okay for a while and then bam, because they're not all in. They're not wholeheartedly committed to being different. And part of it is because the Lord's not living inside them giving them the power to make that choice and to be different and to be completely committed. It's all about the Lord, y'all. It's not about you. It's about him. So Caleb and Joshua once again tried to knock some sense into the people. 
with no fear, they confronted those rebellious people. Look at verse 6. Joshua, son of Nun, and Caleb, son of Jephunneh, who were among those who had explored the land, they tore their clothes. Now, let me tell you why they tore their clothes. Some of you may know, but some of you may not. When you tear your clothes in the Old Testament, it is a sign of grief, mourning, or loss. So the reason they tore their clothes in this sense that was they were grieving the activity and the minds and the attitudes of the rebellious people. Now, why was tearing their clothes such a big deal? Because they couldn't go down to Belk and buy them some skinny jeans and they couldn't go get them a new sweater vest or they couldn't go get them a nice prom dress because clothes were not a commodity. Clothes were something that were probably had just one pair. And when you rip the only pair you've got, that's a problem. So they were so grieved and so upset about the way the people were acting, they tear their clothes to say, y'all better listen to this because we're serious. That's what they were saying. This is big stuff. And you better listen because God has said, that the land is ours and you're wagging your finger in God's face saying, we can't do it because you're not strong enough to help us. And Joshua and Caleb are saying, yes, he is. What kind of, what place does God have in your life when you try to overcome things that he says you can do it and you turn your back on him and says, no, I can't. What, what giants facing you today that you can't be all in and committed to defeating? Because you can defeat that giant with the power of God. You can do it. But the problem is you want to put the work in. You want to put the commitment in. You want to put the surrender in. Do you want to do it? Bible study and prayer and taking notes on what you read in Scripture and talking about Scripture and being accountable is work. It's work. It's work. And people are afraid of work. Whatever you put in it is what you're going to get out of it. So does this advice work? That doesn't work either. The Israelites were so immature, selfish, and rebellious that they just refused to grow up. In fact, a guy named Stephen in the New Testament, he was one of the first Christians martyred. He was the one standing there that uh, they, 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 the people stoned him because he'd just gotten through with a sermon and he went through what I'm talking about now, step by step in front of the people. You rebelled. You, you, you know, Moses delivered you. God delivered you through Moses. Then you rebelled and you did this and did that. And he called them stiff-necked people. They didn't like that. Because stiff-necked people mean they were rebellious. They turned their back on God. They were stubborn. They were selfish. You know we stiff-necked people nowadays? Here's some great advice for anyone here tonight. First one, God has a plan and purpose for your life, and it is good. God had a plan and purpose for the lives of all those Israelites, and it was good. And they went, don't want any of that. 
And you go find out what happens to a lot of them in just a moment. God has a purpose and plan for your life. The second thing that you need to know is God is in control. Whatever is meant to happen is going to happen. You can't control it. You can't turn from it. The only thing you can do is get through it with his help. Sometimes you have to go under it. Sometimes you have to go around it. Sometimes you got to go over it. Sometimes you got to go through it. But you got to get to the other side. And the only way to get to the other side is Jesus living in you, working through you, and helping you. Because you can't do it on your own. You can't. Too many people have tried it. Can't do it. So God was pretty angry, but Moses is a great leader, and Moses interceded for the people. That means he got on his knees or on his face, and he prayed for those rebellious people because he was their leader, he was in charge, and God put him there as leader. And the only thing a leader knows to do when things are tough is to pray. So he prayed on behalf of the people, and he said, God, please spare these people. These rebellious people. You ever got down on your knees or on your face before God and asked him to, to, and you interceded and prayed for one of your friends because he didn't know Jesus? Or because he goes out every Saturday night and does whatever? Have you ever done that? It's about time we start thinking about it. About time we start thinking about it. So here's how the Lord responded to that in uh, chapter 14, verse 20. And I told you we were going to find out kind of how God was going to come down on this, so don't miss this. The Lord replied, I have forgiven them as you asked. Nevertheless, as surely as I live and as surely as the glory of God and the Lord fills the whole earth, not one, not one of the men who saw my glory and the miraculous signs I performed in Egypt and the desert, but who disobeyed me and tested me ten times, not one of them will ever see the land I promised them or to their forefathers. No one who has treated me with contempt will ever see it, but because my servant Caleb has a different spirit and it follows me wholeheartedly, I will bring him into the land he went to and his descendants will inherit it. A whole generation of those rebellious Israelites that were on the edge of the land promised to them never made it. God let a whole generation die before they went to the promised land. Joshua and Caleb made it. Go ahead and turn your back on the Lord. Go ahead and say you can do it on your own and see how that works. telling you it doesn't. Wholehearted devotion to the Lord. Wholehearted means complete sincerity and commitment. In Joshua chapter 14, around verses 10 through 12, Caleb was 85 years old. It was 45 more years before they were able to get into the land. And Caleb was 85 years old. 85. Think grandpa, okay? And he says in that passage, give me that mountain. I will climb it, basically. Give me that mountain that you promised me. 
Now, I don't know about y'all, and 85 is, is a little bit closer for me than it is for you, but I'm going to tell you something. I hope I'm kicking and screaming for the Lord at 85, and I hope I'm climbing mountains. Mountains he's promised me. Mountains he wants to give me because of faithfulness, because of commitment. Because I want to fill that blank in with Jesus. I am committed wholeheartedly to Jesus. And even if I don't make it to 85, I want to be kicking and screaming and yelling Jesus all the way. Who wants to join me? Who wants to join me? Are you wholeheartedly following Christ? Are you all in? Have you placed your faith in Him? Faith meaning forsaking all, I trust Him. Forsaking all, I trust Him. My life verse is Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And lean not on your own understanding, but in all ways acknowledge Him, and He will direct your paths. First of all, trust, total dependence with your whole heart being all in. Acknowledge, begin and end everything with God. And lean. He ain't talking about this. When you, when you think of lean, that's what you're thinking about. I'm going to show you what he's talking about. Now, as you snicker, let me explain that. That's the most humble position that you can get in before the Lord God. Great men of faith and great men of the Bible pray like that. There are stories of people walking in on people of great men, great men of great faith, and they look around and they can't find them. You know why they can't find them? Because they're laying on the ground, sprawled out, praying to the Lord God Almighty. You ever been there? Lean on the Lord. Because if, when you're there, that is a defenseless position. You know what? Think about this. When, when an officer tries to arrest someone, what do they do? They put them on the ground, hands behind their back. They can't do anything. They're defenseless. Well, actually, you're defenseless against the Lord. And actually, when you remember that you're all in, and you remember that you need to surrender, and you get in that position, it's all about God. It's nothing about you. Try it sometime. Try it sometime. So A, God's plans for you are good. B, God is in control. When the Israelites tried to control things, they failed. God is the potter. We are the clay. Allow him to mold you and make you into that vessel, into that person that he wants you to be. When a potter takes that, that clay on that wheel, he is in control of what that clay ends up looking like. And what God wants to do, he wants to take that you as that clay and he wants to mold, he wants to mold it and make, take everything away that doesn't look like him so the finished product can be a worthy vessel to serve him and to be committed to him. That's what that's talking about. It's a transformation. Transform us as we live 
uh, in this life and as we grow in Christ. Do not rebel against God. Instead, move passionately toward him. What are you most passionate about? Colossians 3, 23. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for men. Since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward, it is the Lord Christ you're serving. You need to answer that question about what you're most passionate about. And finally, be all in. A divided heart is like a ship without a rudder. And you know what a rudder on a ship does. It directs it, helps it change course. It's also like a ship without an anchor. And Christ is my anchor. Surrender your will to Christ. Commit to him. Be grounded in your faith by being in accountability groups, by reading and studying the word, by taking notes on the word, by not being afraid of this Bible. Pick it up. Read it. Internalize it. Use it. And be in accountability with other believers, other people. There's strength in numbers, y'all. There's strength in numbers. So let me ask you again, are you all in with your faith? Are you all in with your commitment? How did you fill that blank in? Has the answer changed from when we started to now? If it has, that's okay. But if it was Jesus when we started, and it's still Jesus now, the next step is, what are we going to do about it? And you know what I'm going to do? about that is I'm going to challenge you tonight or you know I guess we're going to do a song here in a minute we're going to do another song we're not going to do another song okay so then we're I didn't you know sometimes we do okay so here's what I want you to do I want you to bow your head I'm going to talk to you and then pray for you okay so y'all listen listen real good I would like for you when you get home tonight before you go to bed to do some business with the Lord, the God that created you, that created you for a purpose and for a reason. And if you don't know what that purpose and reason is, ask him and he will share it with you. If you do know what that purpose is, get after it and find some other people that have that same purpose and y'all get after it together. When's the last time that you have openly shared your faith with anyone? When is the last time you've seen a hurting brother or sister and put your arm around them and just just prayed for them or encouraged them? So tonight, before you go to bed, I want you to do some business with the Lord. And you pray. And then you listen. And whatever he tells you, you get busy and do it. I just hope tonight that you have found a little bit more about what it means about to be all in, wholeheartedly committed, sincere, commitment to the Lord and how he used a man named Caleb and Joshua to take a stand when nobody else wanted to go, they wanted to go and eventually they got to go and nobody else did that said no Lord thank you so much for these students, thank you for their lives, thank you for their commitment, many of them in here are totally committed to you, and some are just thinking about it. Some are not quite there, but Lord, I hope you deal with them in their heart that you will just get in there and just just rough them up if you need to, Lord. Just whatever you need to do, just break their heart 
so that the things of, that you feel like are important will become important to them. Lord, I pray for their families. I pray for their brothers and sisters. I pray for their friends. I pray they'll make a difference in the lives of their friends. They'll live a life worthy of imitation. And they'll be all in, totally committed to you, Jesus. We love you. We thank you for the blessings. Help us to be a blessing to other people. Help us not to be whiners or complainers, but to be servants. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you all very much. What? What? Small groups. Small groups.